We're going to get on back into this business, the glory of God. And the more I look into this thing, the further the glory of God goes. I mean, I was overwhelmed all this last week with some of the stuff that I'm reading and what it is and how it's all connected. And there's obviously more than one glory of God. It probably has three connections to it, probably. But there's more than one of them, and they're interlaced somehow so that the glory of God can be this or this or this. And it's more specifically referenced to his greatness, put very simply, just his simple greatness. Go back over into Psalms 50, 15. There's some things here I still think need to be talked about and discussed. And it has to do more with actually getting a hold of it than it does just covering the information. I mean, I remember when I went to school a few times, you know, we'd listen to the teacher teaching, and every once in a while, he'd hit a nerve. He'd talk about something in history that, you know, really piqued my interest, and it wasn't school anymore. It was, oh, this is neat. You know, I just got involved in it. Most of the time, it was just, oh, ho oh, hum, you know, I've got to memorize these dates and memorize all this other nonsense. And now, at almost 60 years old, I look at that stuff, and some of it's really interesting. <laughs> my wife says the other day, you know, I was thinking about getting out some of my world history stuff, my books, and reading through those just for the fun of it. I thought, that sounds interesting. I mean, I really enjoy knowing stuff more about the world wars and stuff and what happened before me now. It kind of all fits together. It makes more sense. But I guarantee you, as a kid, I could care less. Then all of a sudden, it dawned on me what's been going on in schools. <laughs> Old guys are teaching the kids stuff they're interested in, and the kids couldn't care less. <laughs> That's why they teach it, because, oh, this is interesting. I'll teach this. <laughs> anyway, moving along here. Back to Psalm 50, 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And that's a pretty simple verse when you just read it, but it's the one that really started unlocking stuff for me, because from that point forward, the Lord began to open up my understanding to a lot of things that I never got before. Now, I've told you before that that one prayer meeting that our Lord and I had that one time, he did something really different, at least in my life. That thing came down to he gets something out of it too, you know. That's what he said. And up till that point in my Christian life from 73 up to about 86, I never thought about that one time. Just like a little kid, I never considered my parents' needs, desires, wishes, you know, beyond just the simple little communications we had as child-parent relationship. Empty the trash, clean up your room, get good grades, get home on time, you know, treat your sister good, all that stuff. It was just like a little kid's understanding of God. And it was always just a matter of going back to God anytime I wanted something or needed something. And I'd get a blessing, you know, every so often. I mean, God would do something for me. I'd come to church and really just pure joy. About like when my mother would take me to Disneyland, you know, when it first opened, or go to places out there like that, Knott's Berry Farm. I mean, just pure joy and entertainment and stuff. But it was still just like a little kid, and it was all about what I got out of it. I never thought back the other direction one time as a child. Well, I wonder what my mother gets out of doing all of this stuff, you know? I think about it as a kid, just like, well, she's having fun, I'm having fun, they're having fun. Man, let's go do this. Why? Because I want to. More fun. Let's go ride this ride, ride that ride. No, we're going to ride this ride. How come? Oh, that one's boring. I want to go do this one. You know? I never thought about turning that back around. 
to where the things that my parents did for me was supposed to enhance and increase my love and appreciation for them. It was just always about what I enjoyed. That was it. I've seen kids when they go through Christmas time or birthdays or other parties, everything you give them, it's not enough. Not only that, if they don't get what they want, now they're mad. That wasn't as good as what I wanted. That wasn't the one I wanted. That wasn't the way I wanted it. Man. You know what that does to parents? I mean, that's absolutely counterproductive. The question I would like to ask you is, why should God answer any of your prayers? He said, we already asked us that. We need to think about it some more because we're still like little kids and we don't get it at all. Why should he answer our prayers? When he answers your prayers, your need for him diminishes. Now you tell me why I should answer any of them. You know when he's got your attention? When you got a problem. Is that all it's about? Is it just God waiting for you to have a problem so he can come along and answer your prayers so you get relief? Is that what it's about, really? Why do you think the children of Israel needed water out there in the desert? And he said, smite the rock. One time he says, smite it. Next time he says, speak to it. Why do you think he did that? He's trying to show them something. They didn't get it. All they got was the water. That was it. Now, if your need for God diminishes every time he answers your prayers, you give me one logical reason why he should ever answer any of them. Well, he doesn't want to see us suffer. If he knows what you have need of before he asks and got the hairs on your head numbered and sets up the powers that be are ordained of God, you don't think he can handle the little things in your life? He said, well, I kind of messed up myself. I did this and I did that and I got in trouble, you know, and now I need God to get me out. He could have kept you out of trouble too. Something else is going on here, folks, because it ain't about us, it's about him. So unless we can turn our attention back toward him, there's no reason for him to answer our prayers because all it does is diminish our need for him. That's all it does. Have you got some things that you're praying about seriously? I prayed for stuff for all these years and years and years and years and years. When I was praying for Joan and you guys were praying for Joan, you know what I was praying for? I was praying because I loved her and I didn't want to see her hurt and I didn't want to see her suffer and I wanted her restored. I wanted her healed back up. I wanted the problem to go away. You know what I was praying for? I was praying for relief. You said, well, you're praying for her. No, are you kidding? I'm not praying for people down there at that hospital like I prayed for her. Why? I don't feel what I felt for her for them. I was praying to get some relief for myself. It was connected to me directly. You see how selfish these prayers really are? I don't care if you're even praying for somebody else. The more you love them and care about them, I mean, I've wept some tears for Brother PJ. I love the guy. I hate when he hurts. What if we could get more prayers answered if we were actually to give God back what he's really interested in? What if we really do consume it upon our lusts? You say, what are your lusts? Your desires. You say, well, I thought that was all wickedness. <laughs> it's just selfishness. It's self-serving, you know? We're all about us. There's very little of it that goes back and focuses on God. Have you ever stopped to consider how he benefits? 
from answering your prayers? So what do you get out of it, God? I mean, you're really praying about something real serious, heartbroken over something, and you start asking God to take care of this thing and fix this thing, whatever that problem is, and you just tore up about it, and God speaks to you, and he said, why should I? What in the world could you tell him? <laughs> That's pretty wild, isn't it? You know, you ever heard kids begging mom and dad for a new car or for this or for that? You know, especially really expensive stuff. I mean, that's out there never, never lands. Parents say, you know, why should I do that for you? They don't say that. You know what they say usually? They say, no. <laughs> no, we don't have enough money. They try to give the kid a reason why not to, you know. <laughs> that's not the reason. That's an excuse. You know what the real reason is? Because it won't help you. It'll hurt you, kid. That's why. It's not going to make you more fond of me. It's going to give you a way to take off and go do your thing and get in more trouble. That's why. That's the real reason. But instead, we say, well, we don't have the money. Or we can't afford this. We can't do that. We can't do the other thing. It's an excuse. You know what the difference between a reason and an excuse is, right? An excuse is a lie wrapped in the skin of a reason. <laughs> and why don't you just be honest with your kids and say, no, I'm not going to do that because of this. You know what God basically says when you pray and he doesn't give you an answer? He's basically saying no. You ever wonder why he said no? <laughs> so I thought it was just because I didn't ask hard enough and long enough and more intense. <laughs> I didn't get enough people praying about it. Maybe it was because he didn't benefit. If you're more impressed by him, he benefits. We are so sorry. We are such a sorry lot when he answers our prayers we forget to even say thank you sometimes because as soon as that problem's gone, here's five or six more waiting to take its place. <laughs> and it just moved from one thing right to the next thing to the next thing. And he doesn't benefit at all, even when he does answer our prayers. I think he wants us to get it, that this thing's not about us, it's about him. But being like little children, we're naturally going to be self-serving. We're going to be all about us, and it's just going to stay that way. And I think, honestly, I think I've been a victim of the Laodicean church age when it comes to this. I told you before, I'll say it one more time. When my kids were little bitty kids, my wife kept bragging on me to the point they think I'm actually special. You say, well, that's the way your kids are supposed to think about you. No, I mean, it gets to the realm where I'm humbled by it. I'm dead serious about that stuff. They still feel that way. You know why? Because of her bragging on me. It's not because of me. It's not because I've done such great things for them. I impressed them with myself. It's because she kept bragging on me. They just enjoyed that time that she went down there and bought that candy around Easter time, you know, and, and the checker says, oh, you buying candy for Easter for yourselves? Oh, no, this is for our daddy. Well, you can eat some too, aren't you? Oh, no, it's for him. And they were excited about that. It wasn't what they got out of it. It was what I got out of it, how I benefited. How does that come about? That comes about by bragging on somebody. That's been left out of the Laodicean church. If it hadn't have been, we'd all be different Christians than we are right now. Because God would have been magnified. Your problems would have been small. Your faith would have been increased and you wouldn't be worried and anxious and scared and, you know, 
Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Oh God, you know, I'm claiming that verse. Give me that verse. Oh man, God, I'm dying down here. What's wrong? Oh, ye of little faith. That's what's wrong. And it's because we and our problems are so much bigger than God is, we go to him only for help. It's like when the burglar comes in the house and you dial 911. You up there, God? I need some help down here. We need him every hour. Amen. In him we live. Am I alive? In him we live and move and have our being. I exist in him. Man, that verse just turns me on. You say, oh, what are you talking about? That thing puts me in touch with him in a way I feel him. I feel his power. I enjoy his presence. You know why? Because it's bragging on him. I don't have to humble myself. All I got to do, like I said last week about part of humility, is magnifying something else. You get him big enough, you're not going to have to worry about humbling yourselves. You get him so big that pretty soon, it's like you'll almost go to him and say, boy, Lord, I'm really even ashamed to bother you. He said, that's okay, son. I love you. I always got time for you. That's the kind of God we got. He is so big that we have no right to even bother him. And that's the truth. We are so insignificant. But he says, I love you. Don't you understand? I want you to come to me. I want you to do these things. How come? Oh, because I'm just bored up here and I don't want to see you hurt, so I want to do everything I can for you. Wrong. That ain't it at all. If you appreciate him more when he does something for you, he benefits. And that whole message Sunday night was about appreciating God. When you start to appreciate something, it's way beyond just magnifying him or glorifying him or praising him. It gets way beyond that stuff. And the only way I can explain it, and I've tried to do it in the past, but when you begin to appreciate God, you will respond to every single thing that is said about him that brags on him, everything. And you don't respond intellectually, you respond emotionally. You wanna know how that works? If I were to tell one of you parents that one of your kids was doing really great if you appreciate them at that time in their life, you'll start feeling what I'm talking about. You know what that's connected to? That's connected to three things. It's actually connected to, first of all, your attention. I mean, you gotta be paying attention when I'm talking about your kid. If you're totally distracted by the cares of this world and I say something good about it, it's kinda like, well, hurry up and get done, I gotta get back to work. You ever been there? Oh yeah. The second thing it's connected to is your affections for those children. Do you love them? Yes, I love them, but I don't like them right now. I can brag on that kid if you don't like that kid right now and you won't have any of those feelings. So not only do you have to have your attention and you have to love them, but you have to have a sense about you that you actually enjoy them. There's got to be a fellowship between you and them at that time. If you're angry with one of your kids and I start bragging on them, nothing happens. And you can also enjoy certain things and feel a sense of, I'm really grateful for it. 
and still not have a sense of appreciation because you can appreciate something without loving it. I don't love electricity, but man, I sure do enjoy having that air conditioner, you know? But when all those three things come together, you actually experience a sense of appreciation for somebody. And the moment somebody begins to brag on that person or whoever it is, you feel something inside. It starts to change you. You know why we don't respond to any of these songs hardly and they just get to be routine? Because we don't have that sense of appreciation for God. You have a sense of gratitude when God answers your prayers. And then sometimes that's pretty thin, you know, well, thank you, Lord, thank you. And by the way, while I got your attention now, I got these other five more things that we need to have taken care of. You see how much that's all about us? Can you ever give a kid enough? I mean, really. <laughs> Even when they're full, 10 minutes later, they're wanting something else to eat. You fight with them to finish their plate off, you know, just no time at all. But can I have some more of this? Oh, I want this. It's just constant. I think that's how God feels about our prayers a lot of times. If he becomes greater than what he does when he answers your prayers, he really benefits. And that was how I closed that message out Sunday night. If he becomes greater than what he does, he really benefits. That's what it's all about. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. And that glorification has to do with magnifying and becoming greater and bigger in your understanding toward him, your appreciation for him, your knowledge of him. All of those things begin to grow at that time. You say, well, how do I glorify him? That's a pretty good question, considering we're supposed to do that, and we very seldom do. Well, one of the ways, and like I said, there's more of them, is Psalm 50, 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. What is praise? To extol in words or song to magnify. That's what it is. And that's what's supposed to happen when God answers your prayers. He's supposed to become more important to you every time he does something. Simply put, you're supposed to have a greater and greater desire to brag on your heavenly father. These testimonies, they're good, but they sure are shallow by comparison to what he's really done for us. I mean, when you say, I thank God for saving me, we don't have a clue what that really means yet. We will. But you know what happens? It's kind of the same thing. Are you glad you're saved? Man, I'm glad I'm saved. I get singing them songs, you know, glory I'm saved, glory I'm saved, you know. And once in a while that gets really real. Unfortunately, it's not real as it should be all the time. But do you realize how much more he does for us? That's right. In him we live and move and have our being that is so far beyond salvation, you can't even touch it. You say, well, I thought salvation was the greatest thing he ever did for me. This thing is a constant state of contact with God. And we just get feeling like he's way off out there somewhere and we have to phone him up to get him. You know, He's out there in some cell phone tower way out there in outer space or something. We hope the relay stations reach him. I was trying to call New York a while back on these 800 lines and they kept saying, I'm sorry, all circuits are busy. <laughs> 
That'd be a mess, boy, if you had to get through all that to get to God. I guarantee you'd have a hard time getting him when you really need him. You say, like when? Like in a nuclear bomb attack. Boy, there'd be so many prayers going up, you know, it'd jam the circuit board. <laughs> I'm sorry, all circuits are busy now. <laughs> Man, I'm in trouble. God's right there the whole time. If in him we live and move and have our being, where is he? Well, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Yeah, I know that. But we don't live like it, do we? How come we don't live like it? Because this part of our education as a Christian has been left out. God has not been given the preeminence in all things like we're supposed to have done. What happened? Well, we got so focused on ourselves and our work and what we were doing, he just kind of got bumped out of the way. This thing comes down to the difference between an observer and a participator. Now, an observer is a lost man watching from the outside. We are participators. We're supposed to be involved in this stuff. But you know, there's a lot of different levels of participation. I've never been good at observing. <laughs> I don't like watching sports on TV. I used to race motorcycles, and I can't stand watching them. If I'm not riding them, it ain't no fun at all. <laughs> I can watch a little bit of hockey. I've gone down to the pilot's games and watched it. But playing hockey is so much more fun than watching. It's kind of like eating sugar-free food, right, PJ? <laughs> it's kind of like what it almost is like food. It looks like food. It just don't taste like it. <laughs> That's right. That's the way I feel about it. You know, we get really close to hockey watching it, but it ain't no fun. So I want to go out and enjoy it. How are you going to do that? You've got to be a participator. Now, like I said, there's a lot of different ways. First of all, you can be a participator, and you think about it in a sporting event, you'll get the message real quick. You can simply dislike the opposition. So who's your favorite team? Whoever's playing against so-and-so. <laughs> I mean, I've heard people say that, you know. They say, I don't care who wins, just as long as it ain't so-and-so. Who's your favorite team? Anybody that's out to whip them. <laughs> you can feel that way. I mean, you know, you can hate Satan that much. You can be dissatisfied so much, that's how you feel. It can be another thing where you got to bet on the outcome. Now, I used to bet years ago before I got saved on the World Series. We had pools there at work and stuff, and I won more than once. And boy, I cared about who won that day, you know, and I cared about what the score was. How come? Because I had a vested interest in it. You know what that is? That's self-serving. That's what do I get out of it? Do you know that's Christianity today? What kind of programs do you have at that church before I come over there? What kind of doctrine do you teach? What about my kids? You're not one of them churches that start pushing money, are you? It's about what I get out of it. Why do you go to the church you go to? If you go because it's what you get out of it, then you've missed the whole point. You ought to be going for what God gets out of it. We come here, he's supposed to be bigger when we leave than when we came. We're supposed to actually be changed. I don't know if this thing will wear off. I don't think so. <laughs> you say, how come? Because it's just getting better and better and better and better. As time goes by, things are getting better. It's not diminishing. It's going the other way. <laughs> I talked to my daughter the other night. You know, I've been praying for her, and all of a sudden my prayers changed, and they were not about her and about how I felt. They became about God benefiting from creating her, and I meant it. I did. I meant it. And boy, everything started changing. This last week, she calls up and talks to me. One time we talked 70-some minutes. The next time we talk 103 minutes. She calls up again, when was it, last night? We talked 74 minutes. You know what we're talking about? 
For how long? Hmm? Four hours this last week. Four hours from a girl that wouldn't even darken the door of a church and we prayed for for how long? Her whole life. You know what the difference is? It's how he benefits. That's the difference. You turn that thing back around and say, well, if I could get God to do that for me, boy, that'd be a, I can figure out a way. Huh? But yeah, no, he's got a really benefit. He knows the heart. He knows what's inside. You're not going to scam him. He's got it. She calls this morning. This little boy, grandson Dale. He quotes his little verse, you know, and he's all excited about doing it. Your master is Christ. I'll come 30 some years I couldn't get there because it was self-serving, that's why. If we're going to get any place with God, we're going to have to figure out who he is and what he wants because he's not there for us. We're here for him. Amen. Let's close in prayer.